0: David wasn't supposed to be there, was he? That's what his brothers thought. That's what his father thought. He's out keeping the sheep. This is the place for important people. This is the place for the grown-ups. But David, he belongs somewhere else. He doesn't fit in here. Our reading this morning, all of them really, but but especially the Old Testament and the Gospel, have people in places that they don't belong, and yet God wants them there. David seemed to not belong, but the Lord doesn't look on the outward appearance. The Lord doesn't judge things the way that you and I might. No, the Lord sees to the heart of the matter. He sees through outward appearances. He knows what is best. And so in his wisdom, he called David in. Samuel said, we won't begin until David gets here. And David's son, too, was in a place that he really shouldn't have been. David's son, Jesus, I mean. He was there, we heard, him, we heard it this morning, just in passing. He was approaching the city of Jericho. And Jesus should not have been around Jericho. He shouldn't have been around Jericho because there shouldn't have been a city of Jericho. I don't know how many of you remember that story. It's a very common one. Most of you, when I say the name Jericho, you'll remember, won't you, how God knocked the city down? When Joshua led the people of Israel in the conquest of the land of Canaan, Jericho was the first place they came. And Jericho was this walled city, fortified terrible to behold. The people were afraid, but the Lord said, don't be scared of this city. I can knock it over with just a breath of my mouth. And so you remember, don't you, how he had the people circle the city seven times, day after day, after day, after day. And on the seventh day, they had to do it seven whole times. And then with the trumpet blast and the shout of the people, the walls of Jericho, as the song says, came tumbling down. And they were supposed to stay that way. Joshua led the people in an oath. It went like this, Cursed before the Lord be the man who rises up and rebuilds Jericho. At the cost of his firstborn shall he lay its foundation, and at the cost of his youngest shall he set up its gates. Jericho was supposed to remain as a pile of rubble. Now, maybe some people could live amidst the rubble, but it was not to become a fortified city again. What God had ripped down was supposed to stay ripped down. And so Jesus should not have been in that place, because that place should not have been there. And yet we hear in scripture how a man named Heel of Bethel did it anyways, how he rebuilt the city of Jericho, how he laid its foundation, just like Joshua had prophesied, at the cost of of his own son. At the cost of his son, Abiram, and of his youngest son, Segub, this man, Heel, said, hey, no big deal. After all, if I rebuild a city, I can be rich, I can be powerful, I can be famous. And so there was no cost he was unwilling to pay. But just so, Jericho was not supposed to be there. And so Jesus was not supposed to be outside of Jericho. There shouldn't have been a city there, and yet still Jesus came. Still Jesus came to a cursed place. Still Jesus came to a place that should not have existed. Still still Jesus came to a place that should not have been rebuilt, and he came with a blessing. He came to a man who he shouldn't have paid any attention to either, right? That's what the crowd thought. Here comes Jesus, a big, important guy. And who's this blind beggar? In another one of the Gospels, I think it's in St. Mark, we're told what the man's name is. His name is Bartimaeus, which just means the son of Timaeus. This man was a nuisance to everyone. He was a beggar. He was constantly just begging and pleading for somebody to help him. He was blind, and in those days, if you were blind, you were perceived to be getting what you deserved. Surely someone must have sinned, either him or his parents, that he was born this way. And so Jesus should have nothing to do with him. You heard what the crowd said, right? And you've heard people say that kind of thing. You've probably thought that kind of thing. This isn't for you. Be quiet. Stay in your place. Go away. Leave Jesus alone. He hasn't come for you, you blind beggar. Jesus has important things to do with important people, and beggars and blind men and people who get in the way are really just a nuisance to Jesus. So keep your mouth shut, they said. But Jesus came to that place, Jericho, which should not have been there, and he came to that man, a blind beggar, who he should have paid no attention to, and he brought a blessing. Such is the heart of our Lord Jesus, the Son of David. He comes to places that should not be. He comes to people who have no claim to him, and yet he comes with a blessing. He comes to bless what needs blessing. He comes to heal what needs healing. He comes to seek and to save what is lost. And so he rebukes those, or his disciples rebuke those who rebuke Bartimaeus. It's all very reminiscent, isn't it, of that time when mothers brought their children to Jesus. You remember that story, don't you? They were bringing little children, even infants, St. Luke tells us, to Jesus so that he could bless them. And the disciples thought, just like this crowd thought, Jesus has no time for nuisances, and children are a nuisance They get in the way. You trip over them. They just pull on your coat strings. Take them away, the disciples said. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me, for of such is the kingdom of God. And as he did for the little children, so he did for this blind beggar outside of this rebuilt city that should not have been there. Jesus comes to bless Jesus comes to bless, make no mistake. Jesus comes to bless, and he comes to places that he should not come to. He comes to people he should pay no attention to. He comes to you, and he comes to me, and he comes with a blessing. Jericho had no claim on him. It should not have been there. And this blind Bartimaeus had no claim on him. All he could claim was mercy, have mercy. And we come into this place and we can't say, Jesus, you owe me because, you know, remember I paid you and so now you have to pay me back. We have no claim on Jesus except a claim on his mercy. And that's just the way Jesus would have it. That's just the way Jesus would have it. He comes to a city that should not be there. He comes to a man who no one pays any attention to, and he comes to you today with a blessing. The disciples didn't think Jesus should go to the cross either, did they? You heard at the very beginning of our lesson this morning, the gospel reading, how Jesus made it very plain, Very evident, very obvious. Hey guys, look what's about to happen. We're going up to Jerusalem, and just like the scriptures say, just like I've told you now, just like I've been telling you, I'm going to die. And then I'll rise. But they didn't get it. Because Jesus doesn't belong on a cross, not in the mind of his disciples. Jesus shouldn't be there. He shouldn't go there. That's a place of cursing. That's a place of condemnation. That's a place for sinners. And Jesus, you're not a sinner, right? You don't belong on a cross. You don't belong pinned to a tree. You don't belong under the curse of God. You shouldn't be there. But Jesus goes where he shouldn't be. He speaks to people who have no claim on him because he comes to bring a blessing. And so he goes to Jericho and so he goes to this blind beggar and so he goes to his cross so that he may bring the blessing of God's love to you and to me and to this place today. Now when we hear about this heel of Bethel who built the city of Jericho at the cost of his firstborn son and of his youngest child, we think, well, no one would do that today, right? That wouldn't happen today. No one would be that greedy for wealth, No one would be that obsessed with fame and fortune, would they? No one would possibly sacrifice their own children for their personal gain. They wouldn't do that. We wouldn't do that today, would we? And yet look all around us. Look all around and see how greed and love of money and love of honor and love of status and love of self has grown just as out of control as it was in those days. And yet still Jesus comes to us in America. Still Jesus comes to us in Paducah and he comes to bring a blessing. I wonder if his disciples thought that when he stood outside of Jericho, he was just going to blast them. You know, he was just going to let loose on them. Look at this place. This should be a pile of rubble. This place should be ripped down to the ground. Should have been, shouldn't it? That was a place of cursing. And yet Jesus came to give his blessing. For he comes with a heart of mercy. And he comes with a heart of love. And it is through his mercy and his love that he tears down those things that need to be torn down. It is through his blessing, it is through his mercy and his love that he opens the eyes of the blind. It is through his mercy and his love that in place of darkness, he puts light, that in place of a curse, he puts his blessing, that in place of hatred, he kindles love. Why does Jesus put up with Jericho and places like Jericho? Why does Jesus come to blind beggars and little children? Why does Jesus deal with you? Because he is the Lord of love. Why does he put up with dense disciples who don't get it even when we've been told time after time after time, plainly upon plainly upon plainly? Why does he put up with us? Because Jesus is patient and kind. Jesus is long-suffering. Jesus is love incarnate, and so he does. He does all of these things still down to this day. He comes to places where he does not belong. He comes to people who can lay no claim to his mercy, and he comes and gives it to us anyways, because his is the way of love. His heart is full of love, and that love of Jesus changes things. That love of Jesus makes cities that should not be into places of blessing. That love of Jesus makes blind men see and that love of Jesus makes cold hearts like yours and like mine beat again. It makes sinful men and women come alive again. The love of Jesus cleanses us from all sin and the love of Jesus wakes up in our hearts and in our minds to love him in return. Look what it did for that blind man, Bartimaeus. There he was as a beggar. There he was, a nuisance to everyone. There he was, a man whose very voice, I'm sure, made everybody want to run away and hide. Oh, it's him again. Oh, it's him again. He's going to ask me for something again. But once Jesus got a hold of him, his voice started to lead people. Did you notice that? He went away following Jesus and praising God, and so did everybody else. Bartimaeus was a changed man. The love of Jesus changed him. Instead of begging and pleading for money, now he led God's people in a song of praise. Now instead of running when they heard Bartimaeus, they rejoiced with him. And it goes the same still to this day with you and with me, for Jesus still comes to people who could lay no claim to deserving anything from him, and yet he comes with mercy. He comes with mercy and he changes annoying, dense disciples, people who the world might look at and say, oh man, such a nuisance. He changes you into a new man, a new woman, and that newness of life that comes into you leads to a new song in your mouth, a song that praises God for his mercy, that praises God for his love, and a song that leads the whole world to join us in it. The love of Jesus changes things. The love of Jesus has a way of getting in hearts and minds and making us like him in return. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus does not envy. Jesus does not boast. And neither do his disciples. Neither do his Christians in place of cold and hateful hearts, in place of loveless, or maybe we should put it this way, in place of hearts that can only think of ourselves, Jesus gives us hearts that look for others, that beat for others, that love others. And so just as Jesus went to places that he should not have gone to, just as Jesus cared for people who he should not have cared for, so also his church does the same thing. So also his disciples do the same thing. Love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy or boast. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices at the truth. These are words that are true about Jesus, and they are words that are true about you. Look to Jesus and you will see the definition of love, not a cheap thing, not simply the emotion that stirs up within us, but a costly thing, a sacrificial thing. Look to Jesus and you will see what real love looks like and you will learn, you will learn what he has done for you and what he now calls you to go and do for others. For just as Jesus came to Jericho, a place that should not have been, just as Jesus came to Bartimaeus, a man who he should have nothing to do with, so still your Lord Jesus lives for you. He comes for you this day. So let us love him in return as he first loved us. To him be the glory now and always. Amen. Amen.